Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. So, Liverpool limp out of Europe, going goalless on a night when they needed three. Well, that's what went wrong in Madrid, what's left of the season, and what was Klopp doing bringing off Darwin Nunes? All that in the company, James Pierce and Andy Jones. Let's start, lads, with your three words. James. I think I'd have to kick it off with far too timid. Do you know what? It was just unbelievably flat when you think of the drama... An excitement that Liverpool have been almost synonymous with in the Champions League under Jurgen Klopp. And at times it felt like a training exercise for Real Madrid, especially in that second half. I actually thought first half was okay. But yeah, that, that second half, they just didn't even lay a glove on them, did they? And as you said, Tony, to to emerge having failed to score in a night when you needed a minimum of three, just, just about sums things up. Andy, your three words. Um, I think I'd... Probably go with lacked cutting edge. As James said, I thought Liverpool were all right first half, but throughout the game, whenever they got into that final third, they just lacked any sort of real quality or conviction in what they were doing. And and that on a night when you needed exactly that. And that's why I think we're sat here and, and it felt as flat as it did in the end. You know, I, at the final whistle, I just said, what was that? And they're my three little words. Oh, let's see what everyone's saying on Facebook. Nick Mann says, Real Madrid curse. Well, yeah. It's, uh, Ronan Horrigan said, another letdown. Matthew Brown, 12 cup finals. Well, I know we're looking for positives, but I mean, really, Matthew? Ollie Campbell, extend a break, welcome. I'm not entirely sure about that myself. Uh, to get involved, just search Walk On Podcast on Facebook. That's it, the full-time whistle. Liverpool are out. The European champions march on majestically into the quarter-finals and who knows how far beyond. And this is the end of the road for Liverpool. It couldn't recover from what happened at Anfield. James, you're still in Madrid now. On your way back home from it all, I mean, it was really... You said timid, and, and that is exactly the word. When I saw the team, I thought four forwards, two midfielders... Maybe they're just going to A-logs up forwards and bomb Real Madrid. And then that happened. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, you know, when, I, when I saw the lineup, I thought it was bold, it was attacking. It, was, it felt like the right thing to do in the circumstances when, obviously, with Jordan Henderson missing due to illness and Bersetic injured, you know, his midfield options were, were so limited. And for, to have any chance, you know, they, they had, I think Klopp said they had to be close to perfect and... It was just a million miles off that, wasn't it? It was, and and the thing is, yes, Real Madrid are an absolute class act, and Liverpool don't have to come up against them players of that caliber every week. But the failings were 
kind of painfully familiar in terms of so many away games this season, in, in terms of not being clinical enough, not taking the chances, and then having failed to get the breakthrough, seemed to lose heart. And I think I think that was the biggest thing for me is that I don't think that they ever looked like a team last night who believed they could pull that off. The lack of belief is absolutely staggering, isn't it? Yeah, and and I think. And I think that's probably the most striking thing for me coming away from the game was I expected Liverpool to at least have a, a 10, 15-minute period where they gave Real Madrid something to think about, where suddenly there was a bit of pressure. So where, you know, you thought, hang on a minute, you know, you know because to, to pull it off would have, you know, would, have been, would have been up there with Liverpool's greatest ever achievements in Europe. You know, there's no disgrace in, in losing narrowly to Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Of course, the the vast majority of the damage was done at Anfield three weeks earlier, but I did expect them to at least have them worried slightly. But the Real Madrid fans around me, I mean, the atmosphere was pretty dead in there, to be honest, because I think they just sat there with the feet up thinking, well, we're just watching Real Madrid absolutely cruise into the quarterfinals of the Champions League. So it, it was probably in keeping with where Liverpool are at, because when you know when you go back to you know the same scoreline, wasn't it, as as in Paris in the final last May, yet you came away from that thinking, how did Liverpool not just lift the European Cup? They were were better than Real Madrid for long periods. Courtois had the game of his life. Yet I came away from the Bernabeu on Wednesday night thinking how far have Liverpool fallen? Because, you know, there is a gulf there. The painful reality is that they're no longer a serious threat to Real Madrid on the European stage, not this season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. You look at the stats from the match. Real Madrid had 17 shots and Liverpool had nine. Real Madrid had eight on target, Liverpool five. And as for big chances, well, the home side had four and Liverpool had a grand total of none when they needed to score at least three. And you did a piece about Chelsea going there and nearly turning a Real Madrid lead over and basically how to do it. And Jürgen obviously never read it. <laughs> yeah, it was one of them, wasn't it? I think in, in a weird way, and it obviously there wasn't much more to the performance, but I think the early chance they get when Salad, you know, nicks it off Madrid and then plays Nunes through and and his shot is, you know, it's it's a bit tame in, when when you look at it and watch it back. It sort of set a tone for, for Liverpool's attack and play from that point onwards because it, it took me back a little bit to Barca and Liverpool... F- Barca make a, a bit of a mistake in possession and Liverpool take advantage of it straight away really early, get that first goal and it changes the whole outlook of the game. Whereas on this occasion, Liverpool nearly take advantage of a bit of a mistake towards, you know, near their own goal from Real Madrid, but don't score. And it, it just sort of set the tone of their attacking performance from that point onwards. And and then you, you sort of see the stats and I thought they would... You know, they looked a little bit more threatening towards the end of the first half, but without ever, you know, it wasn't like Real Madrid were panicking and, you know, all over the shop and, you know, it was shots being fired in and Courtois making great saves. It makes a good save from Nunes, doesn't he, with that kill and effort that that might be creeping in. But other than that, you're sort of looking at moments where you think, oh, this is an opportunity or an opening, but in the end, Liverpool either make the wrong pass, the passes that's played is is not very good, or the shot itself has come from an area where you're probably not going to be Thibaut Courtois. So that was a frustrating element, wasn't it? But I do, it, I do feel that sort of fit. Like, and this isn't to blame Nunes at all. But you know, if you if you hit that shot with more conviction, if you scored that, 
and it, it wasn't an easy chance by any means. You might have that different outlook and give everyone a lift, but I think as the game goes on and you've still got that 3-0 margin that you've got to somehow figure a way out, you know, to to score three goals and you 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 know the time's ticking away. You could sort of see that hope draining from the players in front like in front of your eyes and you can sort of understand it in a way because it was pitched as the impossible task. But yeah, I think that that was the problem. Liverpool never got that. Whereas Chelsea stayed in the game and then eventually, you know, got, you know, nicked the goal and were able to exploit Real Madrid and make it a little bit more, you know, a bit of tension in the air, if you like. Liverpool never got that first step. And that's the problem. No, there, there, there was never any, there was never any sense of jeopardy was there for Real Madrid. And what, what concerns me, James, and really does bother me, is that Klopp has never struck me as a tactician, you know, for all the heavy metal football thing. This, you know, it's evolved sort of naturally as the fullbacks developed the, the, the system of playing. And so you're not going there with a, with a tactical plan to destroy them. You know, Klopp's all about belief and he's all, you know, giving energy to the team and all that. And it doesn't seem to be working. He doesn't seem to be able to transmit that part of his character, the vital part of his character, to a team, to this team at this point. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that. I think, um, yeah, I don't think it's a case of them not wanting to do it. I just don't think they can do it where they're at now as a as a squad. I think um, even just, you know that that second half last night was for me the perfect example of it. Where I, I think he would have been Klopp. Not over the moon, but also not particularly demoralised by what he'd seen in the first half. It was, I think, he would have known if Liverpool had scored early in the second half, then suddenly there there would have been a glimmer of hope. But it was, I think that's the thing. Whatever whatever was said in that dressing room just didn't seem to resonate and get through because that there was no spark, there was no kind of real big collective push. It, it was just so, so flat. That was the... It's, it's almost like half time sucked out what little life there was in them in the first half. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think you'd also have to say his substitution has actually you know, made Liverpool Well, we'll get on to that. We'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. Yeah. Anyway, this is, uh, this is Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Yes, we'll get on to those substitutions. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tony Evans here with James Pierce and Andy Jones with Walk On from the Athletic, and it's a it's a kind of one of those days, isn't it, when you reflect on a game, and so often with Jurgen Klopp's teams, we have bounced up the next morning, we've been excited, and today it's like oh oh after that that performance in at, at Real Madrid, and, I mean Andy. You need three goals in the Bernabeu, and Allison's your best player, and it's not like Real Madrid had them under siege, you know, in that sense. That Real Madrid were just taking it easy, they were cruising, they were conserving their energy. Yeah, it it, it is. Cons- I think that there was always an element of Liverpool were going to need 
Allison and, and the defence, and but mainly Allison, to have a bit of a blinder um, because uh, we referenced the Barcelona game and and Allison, you know, needed to pull up big saves in that game as well. So there, there was always an element of it. If Liverpool were going to open up, and when you you see the the system and 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 the team Klopp selects, you knew that there were going to be opportunities for Real Madrid on the counter attack. But fair play to Allison because you know the, the two saves in the first half, especially. Are absolutely magnificent. I mean, I don't quite know how he saves that Vinicius Junior one from a yard out, um, and then the Camavinga from long range that he tips onto the bar is, you know, it's just equally as good. But I think there was always an element that Liverpool were going to need Allison to make big saves. But equally, you don't want to be talking about him being the standout and the only standout. You were hoping that, you know, a couple of the uh, a couple of the attackers would have, you know, put the name down for for a man of the match type performance as well. It's it's one of them, isn't it? I think. Klopp, in a way, I, I was I was fine with the setup, and I think the setup was right, and and it's I think it showed in the first half. But I think what also didn't help is that Madrid, as you say, were, were sort of cruising, but also they stamped an authority on. I thought in in that first sort of twenty twenty five minutes where they created a lot of chances, or not loads, but you know really good you know good openings at times, which I think also spooked Liverpool because suddenly you're then thinking, well, if these keep doing this, they're going to score eventually. And then our task is the impossible becomes even more impossible. So I think Madrid were quite clever in that they kept they didn't just sit in and go, well, Liverpool, you have the ball. What are you going to do? And I think at the end of the day, you have to remember that it is Real Madrid. They are the champions of Europe. They they are incredible in the Champions League. As as frustrating as Liverpool's performance was, you do have to commend Real Madrid for how well they managed the game. Yeah, the thing is, though, I mean, you know, yes, it is Real Madrid, and we can, but we can't just dismiss it and say, oh, it was Real Madrid, you know, what are you going to do? You know, if, you, if you're going to play with the big boys, which Liverpool have since, what, 2017, you know, when 2018, when things changed rounds, if you're going to play with the big boys, play with them. I mean, I, I can see the logic of playing the, the front four to Owen Gakpo, Jota and Salah, and when I saw the team, I went, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, like I said before, you know, a loss of forwards, you know, agricultural, just get it into the box and put them under pressure. But then the other thought I had was, well, shouldn't one of them at least be held back in the second half if Madrid starts to tire? I mean, what Modric is, what, 86 or something? You know, <laughs> if they ran them into the ground, you know, maybe, maybe there'd be scope for fresh legs coming on. But instead, you know, the bench was, well, ox coming on you think to yourself, God love him, you know, he, he's he's never been the same since his injury and you always want the best for him. But when he's coming on and Nunes coming off and the, the bench, I know they've got injuries, but the bench looked really short. It, it didn't seem that Klopp deployed his resources in the best way, James. Def- uh, certainly the, the substitutions had an adverse effect, you know, the, on, on, on the performance. I think, um, I, like I said before, I didn't have. A, I, I actually thought that I was pleased with the starting lineup he picked. I, I thought it was bold. I thought it was it was on a night Liverpool had to take risks. For me, it was the right thing to do. You're right. It did mean that he probably didn't have that game changer on the bench to bring on. But then on the night when you needed three goals, it was. I think he was relying on them trying to knock into that deficit. You know, in in the opening hour before he changed things and. Yeah, I, I mean, I know Nunes wasn't you know at his absolute best, was he? But he was he was still providing you know one of the real rare kind of threats that Liverpool had. And I just think you know on a, when you need a minimum of three to take off your kind of eighty million pound striker, 
for me was a, a strange move. I thought Jota going off made more sense because as Klopp said himself, you know, he's not not long back after a, a really serious injury. But yeah, bringing on Harvey Elliott and Roberto Firmino, it just became even more disjointed. And it's no criticism Oxlade-Chamberlain because, you know, what chance did he really have when we're talking about someone who's played, I look back, he played five minutes of football since the middle of January. If you want something to graphically illustrate the difference in levels between where Liverpool and Real Madrid are currently, you look at Ancelotti brings on, you know, the £80 million France international Tushmany, who obviously Liverpool were desperate to sign last summer and, and Klopp turns to, to Oxlade-Chamberlain with 20 minutes left. You know, and, and the whole the whole midfield department, I think, it just kind of, again, showed why there is this complete rebuild of that department on the horizon this summer. I actually thought James Milner was typically like combative and I, w- I certainly wouldn't be critical of him. But I would also say, you know, at the start of the season, you know, the idea that you'd be relying on 37-year-old James Milner to, to start a Champions League knockout tie would have been ridiculous. So So would it have been ridiculous to think that Liverpool would really miss a teenager in Stefan Bersetic as, mu- as much as they did. And of course, Jordan Henderson and Thiago absent as well. But um, that was the kind of real golfing class that was, in truth, was there for most of the night. But it was, it actually got worse with the substitutions. Andy, do you know what Spanish is for can we play you every week? I mean, <laughs> because, you know, let's face it, knocked out by them the third successive season. Four times in six seasons, going back to Kiev. Benzema, I mean, he scores like four or five every time he plays us, doesn't he? Or just, or does it just feel like that? They really have been a huge stumble and block. And Ancelotti, well, he, he won't ever have to think about Istanbul again, was he? You know, he's had his revenge. <laughs> yeah, he's been having it for a, for a few years now, hasn't he? And, and even you go back to to his Napoli teams, they always gave Liverpool a really, really difficult game, but. Yeah, they've got this this thing over Liverpool at the moment, don't they? And, and Liverpool haven't necessarily played them. You would say Paris was the only time, really, that it's sort of been, you know, Liverpool haven't had significant issues, whether that be during the game. You know, you go back to Kiev with, you know, Karius and, and Salah's injury, which which changes the complete complexion of the game. But Nat Phillips and Ozan Kabak um, as a defensive pair and was, was never really... Giving you much confidence um, in that that COVID season, and then and then this season, it's just more Liverpool's regression. But yeah, Liverpool have just we are sick of them, aren't we? <laughs> it's just oh. it's it's just it's really annoying at this point. If it, it feels like if Liverpool had just avoided them, you know, in the last sixteen tie, we might be looking at this Champions League campaign a little bit differently. But no, of course they would come along and and ruin it all as they have done for. <laughs> And on a number of occasions in, in recent years. Yeah. What was the mood like, James? What was Klopp's demeanour afterwards? Uh, and what was the feeling in the mix zone? Do you know what? I was, I was, I was kind of darting between the two different, different places in the, in the, in the bowels of the Bernabeu. And um, yeah, Klopp, Klopp seemed kind of like he was very much kind of accepting and I think at ease with what had gone on. I think he, he, he described it himself as, he said, I'm not angry. He said, I probably would be angry if it had been closer or if we'd been, you know, undone by, you know, an unjust decision or or, or something, you know, real fine margins. But you know, I think the reality is he had a long time during that game to to come to terms with the fact that Liverpool were going out of the Champions League. And 
Well, isn't that a bit worrying if he's like, I mean, some of us have seen him in, in press conferences, and, and he does, under that smiley exterior, you know, there's the, there's a, like a radioactive core of anger. You know, <laughs> with, with, if, if he's sitting there and going, oh, you know, what are you going to do? That, that worries me. I mean, you know, he should be, I mean, I'm not saying point the fingers at all, Hans, but like, just express your frustration. It seems... He just he seems to have been a bit meek by his standards. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it. I think it was probably more to do with the fact that he he knew that really the, the tie had effectively gone three weeks earlier. I think that was that was probably more it in terms of the, the frustration was more of the the dreadful mistakes that Liverpool had had made. In, you know, in somehow turning that command into an early lead into a five two defeat and the, the heaviest ever home European set back in their history. I think, to me, sat there listening to him, it was more, we haven't lost the tie here tonight, effectively. I know, obviously, they lost the game, but it, was, it wasn't it was like a, a real disgrace of a performance. Or and, I, and also, I think it feeds back into what we talked about earlier in terms of, I don't think, I think he knew he couldn't question the application. I, I just don't think they've either got it in their legs or got it in their heads in terms of that belief and drive that you need to pull off the impossible. Um, and as for the players, yeah, I spoke to Van Dijk and, and similar really in terms of, you know, obviously talked about how, how devastated he was to go out, but held his hands up and said, you know, the better team have gone through over the two games. And I think, I think that's probably why, it, you know, it, is, it does have a different feel to it, doesn't it? If you, if you feel like, you know, like, like Paris, when you come away thinking, you know, a European cup's just slipped through Liverpool's grasp compared to over the 120 minutes of that tie. I mean, Liverpool were, the second best for probably 20 minutes, 25 minutes out of that 180 minutes. So, um, so no, it was kind of, yeah, more, I'd say more kind of just, just kind of downright disappointment than, than, than anger. I think. I think there's, there's a reality to it as well, isn't there? I mean, probably from, from the players have lived through this season. They knew that this was a, a task that was going to be very, very difficult. Whereas I think there would have been more anger if, say, Liverpool had played Real Madrid in the Champions League last 16, last season, and put in the, the two displays that they have. But I think there is an element of reality of where Liverpool are at. And I know that's not necessarily a good thing, but equally, I think that's why you would probably say there's not the anger. And it might be internally, you, you, there might be you know, things that need to be said behind closed doors, if you like. But I think that... As well, given the first leg, I think everyone knew what was likely to happen. You never know. And I think Klopp also sort of admitted it, didn't he, after that first leg, when he sort of said, when I think about it at the moment, there's no chance that we're going through the ties effectively over. So I think I think that's probably why there was that air about Klopp and, and the players, you, you would imagine, because there's that that type of, of reality. And I think they, they weren't helped by, you know, Henderson and, and by Chester being out because... I, we we call Klopp selection bold, but I don't know whether he would have necessarily gone that way if he'd had those avail- those two available, and that and that might have made the, the bench situation a little bit different and stuff like that. But um, you know, it, it, I think that it it was just the reality of where Liverpool are now, and I think people have have realised that Real Madrid we're we're the better team over the, the the two legs, and you can't really be massively angry about that other than knowing. You know, it should light a fire under everyone that this can't suddenly be our level, if you like. Um, we need to get back up to where we were. I'm hoping that, on reflection, the morning after the game, they'll, they'll go away. And they should be angry because, after all, 
They were 2-0 up after 15 minutes of the first leg of the tie. Let's not forget that. This tie was there. It was there to be taken. Real Madrid were on the rack. And for whatever reason, and we know there's a ton of reasons, they let that slip. And, you know, the the, the worst cliche in football is 2-0 is a dangerous lead to have. But it shouldn't be. It should be the basis for closing the game down. And there are loads of things this Liverpool team are incapable of doing. And beating Real Madrid seems to be one of them. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, on the final point, they played you'll never walk alone at the end um, in respect for Real Madrid's honorary president, Amancio Amaro, who died before the first leg at Anfield, but just felt like a bit like, well, you know, it's, um, I know you can't criticise them for um, for paying respect and, you know, a, a, there should be some sort of solidarity between the clubs after Paris, but it did feel a little bit like, uh, um, how should we put it, taking the me, or was that me? <laughs> how did it feel in the stadium, James? Yeah, I, I must admit, initially, my, my initial reaction was, it, you know, almost to, to think it was a bit condescending. But then when and I was then told by our Spanish friends that it was a thank you for Liverpool laying flowers in front of the away end before the first leg in, in memory of their honorary president, you thought, okay, well, that, you know, that is slightly different. And, and as you said, there is the, the solidarity between the two sets of fans after the horrific things they went through in Paris. I think what what I would say is... It's much easier to to make gestures like that when when you've been that superior. Um, yeah, yeah. I would have been. Yeah, I, I in a parallel universe where Liverpool won that game four 0 Does you never walk alone still get played at the final whistle? I'm I'm not completely yeah. convinced. But um, when you when you see like the Real Madrid fans applauding the eighteen hundred strong travelling cop and then re- returning it, you know it's it's the way it should be, really, isn't it? Between two absolute you know, giants of the European game. So yeah, I, I had I had kind of mixed feelings on it, but yeah, once I found out the background to it, I was like, okay, yeah, well, it was. I think you've got to say it's nice, but like we said, it's it's easier to to make gestures like that when you're uh, looking down from quite a height in terms of the, the difference between the teams. Yeah, and talking of gestures, Seferin apologised to both sets of fans for Paris, finally, like like it matters. Yes, but earlier on in the week, we saw a similar situation to Paris in Porto, where the Inter fans were put into a really dangerous situation. So, you know what? UEFA's apologies are hollow. They mean nothing, because football fans are still put in dangerous situations on a regular basis, and the governing body do very little to stop it, to alleviate it. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. This is Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic, with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce, and Andy Jones. So here we are, mid-March, and we're, we're out of everything except the battle for fourth place. And that's some fall, because like this time last year, we were on one of the greatest rides in the history of Liverpool Football Club, nay, the game. Andy, I mean, it feels a bit it feels a bit flat, doesn't it? Oh yeah. And and, and also and also for me. The worst thing is an extended break now. We've got international football. We've got to watch England. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know whether the, the break does help Liverpool or not at the moment. I guess there's an element of, does it give them a little bit of a chance to, to have a reset ahead of, 
you know, the, the final stretch, but then a lot of their players will be going away on, on international duty. So there's not like, it's not suddenly two weeks of, of time to, to do loads of work on the training pitch, really, um, because there's not, probably not going to be that many of them there. What it will help is the likes of Thiago and Luis Diaz will be able to, to step up their, their recoveries and their re- rehabilitation to hopefully be, you know, as close to, to full fitness by the time we return. But then equally, <laughs> when when you look at Liverpool's next three uh, of City, Chelsea and Arsenal, maybe it's good that we don't have to have to face that prospect for, for two and a half weeks. But um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, you mentioned this before about, you know, how, how Liverpool have fallen really in, in terms of that. Look where we were last season to, to now. It is a, it's a big shame in a sense because, you know, this, you know, it was such a, an unbelievable time, wasn't it? That, you know, 12 months ago when one cup was already in the bag, I think by this point, and, you know, there was, there was three still very much on the cards. Um, and, and now you look at it and the top four trophy is the only thing Liverpool can get. And even that's not a, a guarantee and they've, they've got a lot of work to do to, to get to that. So, um, it might give them a bit of chance to reset in a sense, but equally, you just hope it doesn't have any adverse effects on, on everyone. You certainly hope that no one goes away on international duty, which I mean, and, and gets injured, which would be very Liverpool this season if about three of them come back and <laughs> you know have picked up injuries to keep them out for a it, month it or so. It would be, and you know what, the, the world's mocking us, fate's mocking us because we the, the next game is Manchester City on April Fool's Day, James. I mean, 12 games left to rescue this season. Can they do it? Is there a pathway that's clear now to just take something away from this season and to go into next season with positives and the chance to have another tilt at Real Madrid? Yeah, I think I think they can do it. It feels a long way off at the minute on the back of that dismal defeat at Bournemouth because, you know, they let's not forget they had really fought their way back into contention. You know, if you what was it, 13 points out of 15 before that, before shooting themselves in the foot on the South Coast. And as daunting as it does look, that opening week in April when, you know, as you said, they go to the Etihad, um, then they go to Stamford Bridge, and then it's Arsenal at home. You know, it is actually the bigger games against the domestic rivals that, that have tended to bring out the best in Liverpool this season. You know, of course, they beat beat City at Anfield, unfortunate to lose to to Arsenal at the at the Emirates and you know Chelsea at home was during a period when you know both clubs were in a bit of a mess and it was a pretty dour stalemate. So yeah, I think I think Liverpool are probably going to need nine, maybe ten wins from the last twelve, which is a big ask. But they, it's, they're capable of doing it. I mean, it did, you know, you think back to to two years ago when they salvaged that top four spot with you know effectively with Nat Phillips and Reese Williams playing at centre half, and it, it just has this group got it in them before the next step in the evolution of this squad, because there are some big names who are preparing to move on. Have they got it in them to produce kind of one last hurrah? Because that's that's what Klopp needs to try and summon from them. In a way, having 17 days sounds you know quite impressive, doesn't it? In terms of like, you know, being able to take a step back and assess things and get them ready for it. But, you know, the reality is so different with players jetting off all around the world. Klopp has... He's given his non-international players next week off because I, th- I think there's always a feeling that what what can you really do with such a small group in the first week of an international break and then they'll regroup at Kirby in that in that second week to have a full week building up to to City but obviously players will be coming back at at different times that week so um, yeah I think it's more probably a bit of breathing space for the manager and his his coaching staff to try and assess you know where they do go from here in terms of 
I think that you know it's already clear what needs to be done in the summer. Probably what's less clear is how you use the resources you've already got to try and get a top four finish. Because as we've talked about previously, you know it it, it will have a knock on effect if they if they fall short. And it, obviously in the background you've got FSG's ongoing search for for new investment that still waiting for some positive news on that in terms of what that could generate. So um, yeah, and, and you know aside from the finances, just from a purely prestige perspective you know it would it would be embarrassing to drop out of Europe's elite six successive Champions League campaigns under Klopp three finals two last 16 exits now and one quarter final exit the idea of Liverpool dropping into the Europa League you know fills me with a fair bit of dread that would be awful be awful and six points behind Tottenham with a game in hand but more worrying is Brighton it would be Palace on Wednesday night a level with us on 42 points. And they've got a game in hands. And it kind of tells you where we are. Andy, it seems at the moment, and it might just be me being overly negative, but the top four seems a bit of a stretch at the moment. It does after the um, the Bournemouth game, because I think that that's why that one felt so important to them. Because I think if Liverpool had won that, you look at it, you view it the situation much differently, don't you? But... When you take a step back and you see Liverpool's first three games, um, you see that the teams around them are, you know, Brighton especially, just in, in great form at the moment, aren't they? Tottenham look like, even though they seem like they're in crisis every other week, they're still cheering out the results that they need to. And then you, you can't rule out Newcastle either, who, you know, we you know the, the dip in form is well documented, but that doesn't, you know, that doesn't guarantee that it's going to continue. So I think, and then when you look at Liverpool's first three, and you would you just wish that they had sort of a couple of games where you could go, yeah, you can pick up six points there, start to build momentum. But instead, you're probably likely to find yourself a bit further away from. I mean, listen, as as we said, this you know these are the games that have probably suited Liverpool more this season. But you know, there's no that doesn't guarantee they're going to win them. Um, and you know, there's, there's a chance that the the gap increases potentially. It does feel following that Bournemouth game, it feels a lot harder than it did after United. Without a doubt, where I think there was a beginning to have a confidence with that four wins in five, 13 points in 15, five clean sheets on the bounce. It was like, here we go. This is Liverpool starting to get on that that run, that momentum to to push themselves, you know, ahead of the rest, really. Um, but that that Bournemouth, that's why the, the Bournemouth defeat felt like such a setback because it was like, right, well, how many how many more times are Liverpool going to have this type of performance and how given they're already catching up, how many more times can they afford to have that type of performance? Not many. Um and, and Yeah, exactly. They're not exactly. just they're not well, just facing one team either. They they're against three or four others who are looking to get into that top four as well. So that makes it even more difficult. You have to say that you know if you're looking for positives, you know, Diaz's comeback is, is gonna lift everyone because, you know, as as bad as Liverpool have been for most of this season, you know they they've also had some you know horrendous misfortune with injuries, and you know, the fact that someone as gifted as Luis Diaz hasn't kicked a ball since October is another reason why they find themselves in in their current plight. So um, Diaz should be back up to back up to you know certainly you know a couple of couple of full weeks since he's been able to to return to to, to squad training. By then, you'd, you'd like to think so. You know certainly. A, Maybe not to start the game against City, but you know we talk about not really having great options off the bench last night. Well, that that should be a different a different story at the Etihad, and and yeah, I, I still think. Do you know what? You know, it feels like all doom and gloom at the minute, but we have been here before. You know, I think I think two years ago is a decent reference point in terms of 
salvaging something from a season when all looks lost. And, and that's the challenge now for Liverpool. It's not the prize that they wanted to be playing for at the back end of the season. It's not the prize that any of us expected them to only have to play for, but it's the, it's what they've been dealt. And now that, now they just have to ensure that you know that they they do get that out of this season, and then that makes the kind of the, the squad changes and the overhaul that's going to take place this summer will be a, a lot more straightforward in terms of what needs to be done if they are still a, a Champions League club. Someone once said to me, in fact, a number of people have said to me over the years that one of the greatest abilities in sport is the ability to forget, to put your put your mistakes and put your defeats behind you and continue and play to your highest level. So you know what? We're going to forget this. We're going to put it all behind us. We're going to be pre- pretend it doesn't happen. And we'll be back on Monday. That's all from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to James and Andy and you for listening in. To get involved in our Walk On group on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcasts. And we'll see you on Monday. Andy, do you know what Spanish is for Can We Play You Every Week? The Athletic.